first um, first order of business, Don, you need to stand up, please. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. This is Don's birthday today. And how old are you? All right. And and how long have you been putting up with this guy? Married or no? Married. <laughs> Fourteen and a half years. Congratulations. How long have Wow. All right, we're going to get started. We have a few announcements uh, very briefly. Again, this Saturday is the Marriage Vow Renewal Ceremony. Uh, the whole church is invited, obviously. If you can attend, I would strongly suggest you do that. Uh, to support the five couples that are renewing their vows. Now, I would like to make a point. Um, I talked last week about uh, the vows. I gave an analogy of all the important things months ahead of time that you have to deal with, and, and a lot of times the vows are the last thing on your mind. Well, I want to be careful and, and to remind you that it's not the words that you're saying. It's the commitment that you're making to your spouse. It's the commitment that you're making that we all should be making, regardless of whether we're involved. We might need, not be part of the five couples that are renewing our vows, but we should be renewing those vows with our, our spouses on, a, on a, a weekly basis or, or in your mind, yourself. You need to remind yourself of the vows that you took. And it's not necessarily the words. It's the commitment that you're making to say, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to keep God as the focus of our marriage, and then my wife is next, and my children, and then me, all right? And if you do that, that is renewing your vows. You don't have to do it in a ceremony type of situation. You can do it all the time, and you should. Um, and does that mean that you're going to have the perfect marriage? No. You're, you are going to stumble, you are going to fall, and you're going to get right back up, and you're going to keep working. Michelle and I did it five years ago, and we've had plenty of rocks and bumps in the road since then. Just because you renew your vows doesn't mean that you're out of the woods. You have to continue to work and put the principles in the class, principles that are in the Bible, and continue to work on your marriage. It's, daily, it's a daily uh, work in progress. So uh, that one announcement, let's see, what else did I have? I had another announcement. Oh, just wanted to let you know, this, uh, this Home Builders class, this isn't just this six-week series and then we're done. This is a class that we have uh, we created because there's a need for a group like this, uh, married couples, and all the different things that, that evolve around. We have a lot in common. Uh, even though there's... <laughs> yeah, he's special. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, what we're going to do is the way pastors design the class is that Yes, we had a six-week class here. Pastor's going to now do a, a series that will take six or eight weeks, and then we might come back to a class like this and, and delve into another situation, another, another area that's important and relevant to our group. So we, uh, his plan is that we will meet three, four times a year, maybe for a three-week series, maybe a five-week series, depending on what we decide. So we'll be back and forth, but this is a group. This is our Home Builders class. We will have activities just for our class. And uh, one of the ones coming up, obviously, our first activity is the marriage vow renewal ceremony. Even though five couples are involved, it's for everybody. And, uh, and it's a commitment that we all can make. One of the things we're going to do towards the end of uh, the year, before the holidays, is we're going to have what we call a date night. And there's going to be two sign-up sheets, okay? And one sign-up sheet you're going to sign on, and you get to take your spouse out on a date. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to go out and have a good time, and you're not going to have to worry about the kids. 
if you have children that need babysitting. Because the second sign-up sheet that everyone will sign up on is the babysitting sign-up sheet. But the nice thing about that is you're also going to get together with couples uh, and we'll, we'll designate a home and you'll have two or three couples with your kids and you'll be able to set up whatever you want in the home. If you guys want to have a dinner and get together and have a good time and the kids will be there and you will also babysit or kids sit uh, with the people that are out on their dates. All right, so you get both. And so actually it's two different activities. You're getting to fellowship with other believers and other friends and getting to know, uh, getting to know people better and then also get to go out on a date and not have to worry about the kids. You can't really talk about things and, and, and give your wife and give your husband 100% attention when you've got kids that are spilling the chocolate milk on the, t on the table and, and that uh, are coloring and want your undivided attention. So that's why we did this. this is, that's the next activity coming up. So um, we're going to get into the lesson. Obviously, you know what's coming, my joke, because I have to tell a joke every week. Uh, so th this is uh, Todd Robbins. This one he told me last week, so I, I thought I'd give you this one. Really? Uh, there was a, a little boy at a wedding with his mom, and he asked the question. He says, Mom, why does that girl, why is she wearing all white? And the mother replied, well, she's very happy. This is the happiest day of her life because she's getting married. The, the little boy said, oh, okay. And pondered that, that answer for a few minutes and then looked at his mom again and said, so then why is the guy that she's, <laughs> why is the guy that she's uh, uh, dancing with wearing all black? So, all right. That was Todd's. Sorry. I'll blame him. <laughs> all right. We're going to get into the lesson today. Our lesson today is uh, called Breaking Free. And uh, the question that we're going to discuss is our temptations or addictions threatening your marriage? Um, this is a sensitive topic. Even in the book it says maybe uh, we should uh, have the men uh, talking in one group and the women in another. And we're not going to separate today. Uh, but it is a sensitive issue, um, dealing, with, dealing with addictions, dealing with temptation. What is the definition of a temptation? Well, it's the desire to have or to do something that you know you should avoid. That's what a temptation is. So what are some temptations? I know in the book they've got a few, but let's throw some out. A lot of times when you're talking about this in a marriage setting, you're only thinking about lust and sexual uh, temptation. But there is, there's just a multitude of different temptations that you uh, are facing every day. So just, and by the way, whatever you say, we're not going to assume that that's your temptation. So just go ahead and feel free to throw some out at me. Gambling. Gambling. Spending money. Yeah, excess, spending excess money. Work addiction. Work being a workaholic, yes. <laughs> yeah, being excessive, yeah. yeah. Computer, okay, there's, there's, computer's a good one because there's a lot of times people think of computer addictions as just pornography, but there are computer-based addictions that, uh, that affect people, exactly, computer games, um, uh, online uh, texting and talking to people on the computer, Facebook, Everybody's very, Facebook's very popular. Can, let me ask you that. Can Facebook, because it is popular, can that become, is that a temptation that could then become an addiction? Yes. Could, yes. You could be so overwhelmed with texting people that you haven't seen in 25 years that you grew up with, and that is your whole, every evening, that's what you want to do and catch up that you are neglecting your family. Yes, that can become an addiction. Uh, anything else? Drinking, drugs. Uh, yes, drinking and drugs, alcoholism. Going out with boys and girls. Exactly. Um, what about obsessed with your looks? Obsessed with 
cleaning the house or just your time? Yes. All right. There's just see. You can start to see that we we are encompassing a huge amount of temptations that could become addictions to us. It's not just all about sexual addictions and uh, internet. All right. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. So who who's susceptible to these temptations? Everyone. Everyone. Even Pastor Ken and Kim. I mean, they lead our church. They are our examples. Did they are they tempted with these things that we're tempted with? Yeah, that was a sarcastic no, I know. All right. Yes, that, and that was an obvious question. And the reason why I brought that up is to, to let you know we all are tempted. And it's not a matter of if you're going to be tempted. It's a matter of when you're going to be tempted. Because that's the way Satan operates. Um, nobody is susceptible. And if you're a person that's arrogant enough to think that you could not be addicted to something, then you're, you're one of the people that are most vulnerable because you are not on guard and you don't think it could happen to you. You're not using the sword of the Spirit, the Bible. You're not using what God equips you with to fend off the devil and to fend off the lust and uh, to fend off sin. So you have to be careful about that. So I kind of answered the question, who tempts us? Satan. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Uh, it says, Be sober in spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan, the devil, does. Why do you think Peter, Peter, the, uh, the author of this book, uses the analogy of a lion? What are some of the characteristics of a lion when they're on the hunt? They're sitting in the tall grass, sneaking in. Sneaky. Quiet. Quiet. Patient. Patient. Yes. Aggressive. Very good. All right. That's why. That's why he used this analogy. The, the lion is very sneaky and clever. And once that lion has the prey in the grasp of his mouth and in the claws, they're not escaping. If they do, if they by some chance can escape the claws of that lion, they're injured, are they not? There is some damage. There are some wounds that have to heal. But the lion is very patient, and he's clever and crafty, just like Satan. So uh, the next thing what I would like to just dispel, and a lot of times new Christians might have this, this thought, is that, well, God tempts us a lot of times to test us and to try to teach us lessons. So I want to dispel that rumor right away because God does not tempt us. Only Satan and, the, and our desires are what tempt us. Let's look at James 1, 13 through 17. Somebody, uh, whoever gets to James 1, if they could read that for me, please. James 1, 13 through 17. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away in his height. Then after desire has conceived, he gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full ground, gives birth to death. Okay, thank you very much. Very plain. God does not tempt us. He is incapable of tempting us into sin. He doesn't do it to teach us lessons. He doesn't do it to try to uh, encourage us in the faith. We are tempted when Satan tempts us with something and we are enticed by our own desires. We let our own desires intercede. <laughs> That's when sin enters into it. Do you realize that the temptation is not the sin? 
We are all tempted. We walk out of here, you see a billboard, you turn on TV, you talk to somebody, a coworker, you are being tempted with something all the time. It's, now, it's worse now than it ever has been. That is not the sin because once you're tempted, you can use what you have learned, you can use the Bible, you can use good friends to turn away from that and to get away from that sin. It's when you are enticed by that and you allow your sinful nature and the lust of the flesh to entice you into sinning. That's when, you, that's when the sin occurs. Um, and who started this? The fall, Adam and Eve. Let's look at this real quick. Genesis 3, verse 4 through 6. And while you're turning there, verse 1 talks again about the same Satan being a serpent, being more crafty than any other animal. Very, very sleek and, uh, and crafty. Uh, whoever gets to verse 4 through 6, if you could read that, please. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Okay. This, yeah, that's good. These verses talk about how she was tempted. Was, was, was Eve sinning when she talked with the serpent? No. Was she sinning when the serpent questioned uh, about God's, why God wanted them not to eat of the fruit? No, she didn't sin there. All right? She only sinned when she saw, with her eyes, she saw the beauty and the fruit was the light. Then her sinful desires took over. And even though God had given her everything and given Adam everything, and God promises in his scripture that he will supply all your needs, what do we do? Our sinful desires. desires. We want more. And that's exactly what Eve wanted. She wanted more, even though she was given everything in the, and that she could possibly want. And so once her desires took over, she then sinned. Then she took of the fruit. And this is exactly how Satan operates. You know, Satan doesn't come up to you and say, look, I want you to try this. I want you to do this sinful act. It is going to ruin your marriage, I'll just tell you up front. <laughs> All right? And you're, you're, it's not going to do good. You're probably going to stop going to church, and y- your kids are going to look down on you, and one right after the other. That's not how Satan operates. No, he makes it enticing, does he not? And he is sneaky. He, he waits for that opportune time when you're down, um, maybe when... Uh, you know, you're, you're being tempted or you're in an argument with your spouse or you're not doing good, the relationship is not good, is that when he's going to come after you? Just like the lion coming after uh, an animal, a prey, they're going to wait, the lion's going to wait, and so does Satan. He's going to wait until you are vulnerable, until you're not on guard, until you're not watching out for what he's going to do, and then he's going to pounce on you. And it's going to be very difficult to pull away from that, those, the grasp of him unless you're using the Word of God, unless you're going to um, uh, look at Scripture, which we're going to do in just a few minutes. So we're going to look at the video clip, and in the video clip you're going to see there's a uh, phrase that he uses uh, in the book, and I wanted to read it to you so you can see it again. Sin and lust, addictions are like a parasite. A parasite is anything that latches onto your spouse and sucks the life out of your marriage. These things, lust and addictions, they promise pleasure, but they grow like a disease, and they consume more of your thoughts and more of your time and more of your money. And they promise pleasure, but that's not what they give you. 
Right? They steal away your loyalty and, uh, and your heart from those you've promised to love. And we're going to see in the video clip, uh, Caleb, there's not a whole lot of talking involved, but you're going to see a definite message. You're going to see how he reacts to, an, to a, a temptation. Um, and in this clip, he is already, he's already given his life over to God. He is, um, he is professed to be a Christian. He is now looking at himself. We've talked about for the last few weeks, quit focusing on what your spouse is doing and worry about yourself. He now has finally got that in this clip, and he's thinking about himself and trying to fix himself. So let's see how he handles himself in, uh, in this situation. Day 23. Watch out, parasites. Parasite is anything that latches onto you or your partner and sucks the life out of your marriage. They're usually in the form of addictions like gambling, drugs, or pornography. They promise pleasure, but grow like a disease and more and more of your thoughts, time, and money. They steal away your loyalty and heart from those you love. Marriage is ready to survive if parasites are present. If you love your wife, you must destroy any addiction that has your heart. If you don't, it will destroy you. You go home and smash your computers up. <laughs> Very good. So uh, obviously we see in the clip that he really struggles with his temptation, does he not? And a possible addiction. 
Is, is it wrong to have to struggle with that? No, no. God even says that we're going to struggle with temptations. We're going to struggle with that. It's how you deal with it. Did he deal with it correctly? We're going to see here, yes, he did. He turned away from his sinful desire, and he turned to the book or the Bible, and he got fed. He got what he needed, all right? And he got the answer that he needed. And we're going to see here in just a few minutes that God provides all the answers we need in the Bible to any type of problem. See, when, usually when temptation uh, comes into your life, um, it can be most effective when you're down. And I spoke about that in a few minutes. When your wife and you are, have, have a good, solid relationship and there's no problems, don't you find it easier to avoid temptation and you find it easier, your, life, your wife and you have a, a harmony and you can go through and you can tackle some of the small problems? But what happens when you have that separation in your marriage? And when you're angry at your spouse or when you have uh, communication block and you're down and you're upset about your marriage, is that when temptation can come into your life? Is that when it's easier to mentally think and say to yourself, just ain't worth it? Is it easier to say then when you're struggling, it's easier to accept this temptation that comes before you. Why? Because Satan puts that temptation in front of you as a desire. As he said in the clip, why is this so hard? It's because the lure of temptation, that's, that's our sinful nature taking over. We have to stop it in its tracks. Um, you're, we're not alone. You might be sitting here with an addiction or a temptation that you deal with all the time. And you might think you're just the lowest of the low of a person. Well, I want you to know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who is probably one of the greatest apostles, talks about his struggle with sin. Let's look real quick at Romans 7, <coughs> verses 21 through 25. Actually, before we get to 7, verse 19, Paul talks about and says, For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. He even admits here that even though he knows better, he still sins even though he doesn't want to. That's our sinful nature taking over. All right? We're gonna, we sin. We know it's wrong. You might have an addiction. Let's take, let's take uh, um, gambling. All right? You know you shouldn't gamble your, your money away. You're not being able to pay the bills. You know it's wrong. You know you shouldn't be sitting on the computer just dumping money into something that's not going to gain a return. But yet you do it anyway because it's an addiction. It feeds, it feeds your sinful nature, correct? Now, I'm not saying that gambling is wrong and having fun. I'm saying it when it becomes an obsession and you're using so much money that you're not able to take care of your family and you're neglecting your responsibilities with your husband or wife. Okay, that's just an example. You can put any type of temptation that suits your needs into that scenario. All right? And so Paul talks about this in 21. Uh, let's see. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I, for I joyful concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of which the law of sin which is in my member. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then one, on one hand, I myself with my mind, and I'm serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. 
Right here, Paul describes the struggle that he has within himself, with his sinful nature, fighting against what he knows is right and struggling with what his body wants, choosing to sin, even though he knows God hates it and hates what he's doing. And this, talking about the great apostle Paul, who you know, uh, is, is one, a person that we should pattern our lives after and how he struggled and kept up the faith. But yet, this is how he says he struggles. All right? We're not alone in our temptations. See, lust comes in many forms. We, taught, we saw here on the screen the lust for Caleb comes in the addiction of pornography. Yes, that is a big problem in today's society uh, with men and women, the computer. But there are many other lusts and many other problems that come up. The lust for possessions or power or prideful ambitions. We can see what others have and we want that too. We, don't, we always think that we don't have enough. And what does God say? God will supply all our needs. You need to be happy with what God has given you. But instead, we focus on others and wanting more. That is a lust. Um, remember that lust is in opposition to love. It means that you set your heart and your passions for something forbidden or something that you can't have, something that God just doesn't want you to have because it doesn't suit your family, but yet you still want it. See, every object of our lust, whatever it may be, represents the beginning of a lie. And the person or thing that seems to promise sheer satisfaction is more likely to cause pain and disappointment and ultimately will affect your family. Uh, and one thing that I liked when I was going through this to remember that lust always breeds more lust. That's the way Satan set it up. It's designed that way to lure you in, and then it's just not enough. And then you want more because you want to satisfy that desire within you. And so you want more and more. Um, I worked undercover for four years dealing with drug addicts and, and uh, interviewed a lot of people. And the, the sad thing that I saw in dealing and interviewing uh, people that are addicted to drugs, that's their addiction, is that it wasn't about the, the high. It wasn't about the good times. It was just about surviving. There was no thrill anymore. That lust that they originally had was gone, and now they just took the drugs or the alcohol just to survive. It wasn't fun anymore. And see, that's what we have to remember. Uh, it's only good for a season. Was that, that's what the Bible says, that lust of the flesh, it's only good for a season, then it fades away. And then Satan has you trapped because you want more and more. You're not turning to the Bible. Um, so how can we fight against this? I talked about all the negatives. God's got to give us a plan on how to fight this, and he does. Let's look at 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 again. We already had looked at verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. So again, verse 8 and 9, Be sober in spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. We need to be on alert, number one, and realize Satan is there ready to pounce on us um, and to attack us at any time. Satan's waiting to put, for us to put ourselves into a situation so he can exploit it. We are to avoid those situations. We need to resist those dark areas of our lives. If you have a problem with alcohol, 
you were an alcoholic before. Well, you shouldn't be going out with your friends to a bar then, all right, just to socialize and say, well, I'm strong enough not to drink, all right, because you're putting yourselves in a situation where you are vulnerable, where then Satan can exploit that. <laughs> Again, that's just one example. You put your situation into that scenario. Don't put yourself and your family in a situation that Satan can exploit. Just as, just as Caleb turned away from the desire, that's what we need to do. Now, I'm not again, I'm not suggesting that you go and if your addiction is any type of internet or uh, computer gaming or anything like that, that it's an obsession, not to go home and smash your computers up, but there are safeguards that you can put on your computer. Is that wrong to, get a, to have a crutch like that to help? Absolutely not. All right, there's, there's uh, things, if you want to talk to us afterwards, Pastor's got some, uh, uh, some uh, websites that you can go to and log and load on something on the computer so that you cannot get on certain sites. You can just block them off your computer. That's a good thing to do. You're turning away, you're doing something positive and turning away from that, from that lust. All right, what else does the verse say at the end? Uh, it talks about understand and know that what you're suffering other people are also suffering. You're not alone. Seek out positive people. Seek out friends, people that you can uh, count on that not will tear you down, not will, that not will just sympathize with you and say, oh, I, yeah, I understand what you're going through. It's, it's okay. You know, you got to do what you got to do. No, you need to seek out good friends. We've talked about that in the past in other classes, seeking out good friends that will lift you up, that will point you in the right direction, that gives you good advice so they can steer you away from these temptations. So we know that the importance we know the importance of removing the source of temptation from our lives. We talked about that. And we talked about not putting ourselves in situations where Satan can get the upper hand. There's one more verse that I'd like to, to read, Second Timothy two twenty two. If someone could turn there and read that very quickly. Second uh, Timothy two twenty two. This also talks about what we could do to sustain, to abstain from uh, sin. See the evil desires of you and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Yeah. Bible says flee lust. Run as fast as you can away from it. Don't hang around. Don't think that you're so strong enough in your faith that you can hang with the world and you can hang close to the edge and it'll be okay because you can't. And the Bible says, don't do that. It's dangerous. You do that, you might get burned. Okay? You need to flee. Run away from the lust. And what does it say towards the end of that verse? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace and surround yourselves with others that desire the same thing, a pure heart. This might be a tough one to take. We, all of us, have, are, are in our 30s and 40s and we have friendships that we have built and... Sorry, Tony. Okay. And barely, and Don, 50. All right, all right. But we all have friendships that we have built through the years that, are, that could be strong, could be deep friendships. Do those people bring you down? Do they tear you down? Or do they lift you up? You might have to come to a, a realization in your life that, well, the friends that I used to hang around with are just a bad influence. I have to sever. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We have to break ties sometimes, don't we not? Do we not? And it, that is a hard decision to make as a couple or as, a, as a, just a single person, wife or a, a husband, to break ties with friends that you've known because 
they are taking you to a place that you shouldn't be. You need to surround yourself with good Christian people, people that can build you up and help you in the faith. What's another way that we can avoid temptation? Well, it's by reading God's Word. Let's turn to Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Yes. That's yes, exactly. That is a there's a fine line. You you don't want to sever relationships with people just to keep just to keep you on the straight and narrow. But when the balance is, is that why you're hanging around them to evangelize, or is it are you just hanging around your old friends just to have fun? And if that's just the case, just to have fun and to have the good times and the old relationships that you used to have. Their, the tendency will be you will not bring them up. The tendency is that they will bring you down to their level. That's the danger. And, I, and again, I am not saying you need to sever ties and relationships with, with people that aren't believers because you are 100% correct. We have a responsibility to those people to evangelize. Jim? I know often, just to apply a little bit to what you're saying, I know back, um, I have some friends that we didn't always do some good things. You know, when I decided, or when the Lord really opened up my eyes to what I was doing, I let them know, this is what means a lot to me to be serving with God. And I didn't have to pull away from them. They pulled away from them. They pulled away from them. Now, the thing is, is if we're, if we're to point people towards the Lord, we're going to have to build relationships. So you can't build a relationship with someone who wants nothing to do with what you get. So my suggestion in what you're saying is that you truly have a heart for them. You let them know exactly what your intention is and that you love them. And then um, from that point, it's up to God and nothing else. Very good point. And Jim makes a good point, too, that you can approach your friends and say, look, I, I'm in a different place in my life than what we used to be. And here are some things that are obstacles in my life, whether it's you know, A, B, and C. And I, loved, I would love to get a, hang around with you still. These are some of the things that we have to avoid if we're going to still be friends and hang around together. And if we can avoid these things, I would love to continue my relationship with you. But if you... If you still want to go, if you still want to do these things that that make me stumble, and, and I'm trying to be a better husband and a better wife, and by doing these things I am not. And that is my goal, to be honoring God and to be a better husband. Then I'm sorry, we won't be able to hang around if we're doing these things. So that's another way, because you're then you're being a good testimony also, and you're letting them know why you're wanting to be a better Christian. Well, why? Ready, you'll be the first one they come see. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, to finish up today, <laughs> so uh, to finish up today, we're at uh, we're in Psalm 119, and I, I spoke one other reason, one other way that we can avoid temptation and fight these the demons that we have is being is studying the Word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping in accordance to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I treasured or hidden my heart that I may not sin against you. This is how 
this is the best way. And uh, I know John said something in the, in the main service about it too, about being in the Word and studying. It's the most important thing because the Bible has all the answers for us. And we just we need to know where to look. And if we hide God's Word in our heart and we resist temptation, when it comes, we can go to the Bible to look and get answers for to defeat our fear or lust or depression or issues of anger and resentment or jealousy or forgiveness. Next week is a, is a lesson on forgiveness. Very, very difficult in, in a husband-wife relationship that has strife and anger. It's hard to forgive all right, and do it properly. So that's what we're talking about. But the reason why I point out all those things is because it doesn't matter what your problem is, what your temptation is, the Bible has the answers for you. You just got to know where to look. Yes? I was just thinking there is another temptation. Um, it's one kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned about the control of the world, God, and stuff like that. They're, they're that after a while, they're just doing the turn of Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, temp- exactly. And that's what lust and temptation does. It, it lures you away from reality. And, and what you really should be focused on, the Bible. And many people turn to lust and turn to addictions to ease the pain that they have when really they should be focused on the Word of God and restoring their relationship, and that will mend your heart. Good point. Too, like if they are fighting and stuff like that, a lot of times you want to run away from Yes. Um, one other thing I think you might be sitting here saying, man, you just you don't know my addiction. You don't know the temptation that I've been put under. And it's very difficult. I've tried and I've fallen down. And I try again and I stumble. So what? So uh, the rest of us have done the same thing. You get back up and you ask for forgiveness and you start again. And that's what the Christian life is all about. It's not about perfect marriage. There is not one out there. All right? There's not a, a person that can go through life without these addictions, without being tempted. But you, if you fall, you just get right back up and you ask for forgiveness. And if you have not been able to gain victory over your temptation, over your addiction, it's possibly because you have not entered into this last phase of it, and that's actually asking for forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 10.13 gives us the way out. Oh, I'm sorry. First uh, John 1.9 talks about it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what we need to do. We need to sit down, ask God for forgiveness for whatever temptation that we have been involved with and we know is wrong but we continue in or it has become an obsession or an addiction. We need to give that up to God and, and ask for his forgiveness because restoring your relationship with God is the most important thing that you can do as a Christian who has stumbled and we all have. Uh, I gave my testimony two weeks ago so you know it's possible. You are not in a position, you haven't done something so bad that you just can't get forgiveness from God, okay? Because I did, and I'm standing up here telling you that you can also. If you follow these steps, we flee temptation, we flee away from our desires, we turn to good friends that will help us and give and point us in the right direction, and if you need someone to talk to, please, come and talk to me. I don't have all the answers, by the way, either. Uh, trust me. We will point you in the right direction. We will get you somebody to talk to. Pastor Ken is a great listener. He's got great advice. If you need to talk to him about a certain problem, a temptation that you're struggling with, we will be glad to help you with no strings attached, with no condemnation on you. Again, I'm standing up here telling you what I went through. 
So I will be the last person to place judgment or blame on you for some type of addiction or some type of temptation that you are struggling with. All right? We are here to help each other. And that's what this is all about, to make our marriages better and to prove our lives remembering that God is in your life also. It's not just about you and your spouse. God first, your spouse second, and then you are last. Think of your wife, think of your husband first, and put God at the center of that. And if you do, and stay in the Word and read, the answers are here for you. Okay? Um, thank you for your attention today, and very good uh, comments out there. It just means everybody's really thinking about what's being said, and it's a good conversation piece because a lot of things come up different. Everybody's got different, uh, your different points of view in your lives depending on what you're going through. So it's nice to hear different comments. All right? uh, next week, if you want to take a look at that chapter because it's a very, very good one, it's, going to be a, it's a difficult one on forgiveness because um, we've all done some pretty bad things, haven't we? And we're not worthy of forgiveness, are we not? Yes, we are. We are all worthy of forgiveness. And we just need to know and, and look at how we can be forgiven. All right. Um, we are done. Let's pray real quick. Yes. Yes, we do have a challenge. I'm sorry. Yes, we do. Well, our challenge this week, individually, um, sit down by yourself. I want you to write out your temptations, what you are being tempted with most. If it's money, if it's the lure of money, if it's an obsession with uh, of sports, if it's an addiction with alcohol or prescription pills, or if it's Internet problems, I want you to write them down. You might have one, you might have ten. I want you to visually see them. And, and then I want you to go to God and confess those. It might be difficult at this point to, to go to your spouse and talk about these addictions or these temptations now, but I want you to find somebody, a good friend, to talk to you about. Confession is good for the soul, is it not? You need to confess and talk about these issues and be held accountable. Uh, have somebody that you can talk to so that if you have a problem, you can go to that, right to that person and say, hey man, this week I struggled with the temptation that I talked about. You've got to help me out. All right? So that's, that's your goal this week. Uh, sit down, write out those temptations, and then take those to God and confess those. and tr- List, list. If you need more paper, if you need more paper, I'll give it to you. All right? Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Sorry, a couple minutes over. All right, Lord, thank you for this lesson on temptation and, uh, and addictions. Lord, pray that we will remember the, the key principles that are taught in the Bible to, number one, to flee lust and flee temptation. Uh, use the help of good friends to keep us held accountable. Use the Bible. Uh, so that we can gain answers to uh, the problems that we have and stay positive and realize that we all stumble and fall. It's, it's that we need to get back up and try again and try harder and recommit ourselves to our spouses. In Jesus' name, amen.